0: Welcome back to the Startup Showdown podcast, where we discuss pitching, funding, and scaling startups. Join us as we interview winners, mentors, and judges of the monthly $120,000 pitch competition powered by Panoramic Ventures. We also discuss the latest updates in software, Web3, healthcare tech, fintech, and more. Now sit tight as we interview this week's guests and their journey through entrepreneurship.
1: Lee Cantor here, another episode of Startup Showdown, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get into it, uh, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Panoramic Ventures. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Startup Showdown, we have Matt Schmidt with PeopleLogic. Welcome, Matt.
0: Hey, Lee. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about PeopleLogic. How are you serving folks?
0: Yeah, fantastic. Great question. So PeopleLogic is all about helping make companies' organizational health be simple enough to be actionable. And uh, when we talk about organizational health, we're talking about all the the messy things around your people and your processes, helping you predict attrition and burnout and where you've got uh, people working on things that don't uh, necessarily move the business forward and help you strategically plan and all those fun things that help businesses grow more effectively.
1: So if they don't have people logic, how are they going about that right now?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Usually they're getting surprised uh, when people are when their best people are leaving or when they find out that they're you know somebody they thought was a high performer was um, you know was not being as effective as they thought they could be and if they're doing, uh, strategic planning—they're, you know, usually taking a best guess and using their expertise and their uh, their gut feelings around the things that they're doing. Uh, a lot of companies are relying on surveys and those types of things, but we found that our customers tend to be, uh, you know, more data-driven than that, and, and find see all the the pretty well-known problems uh, that exist within, you know, beating your team over the head with more surveys.
1: So how does it work? Like, where are you gleaning the information? Where are you getting the data so you can make these informed um, decisions and assessments?
0: Yeah, so we connect right to the tools that, that your team spend their day using, right? So it's your Zooms, your Salesforce's, your HubSpot's, your Jira's, your GitHub's, and we're just consuming the exhaust data from those tools, the things that are left on the floor from the usage. Uh, Without getting into the specific details and content of those things, uh, you know, we're able to glean really useful insights about how your teams are interacting and where there's potential risks to the business.
1: So from looking at those kind of breadcrumbs, you're able to see, hey, Bill is, you know, we think Bill's a top performer, but maybe it's Mary who's really the top performer.
0: That's certainly one of the the insights. One of the uh, more common things that we also see is, you know, where you thought that a team was actually distributing the work across the the entire team, but really you've got somebody that's standing there at the bottom of an inverted pyramid, holding everybody up, right? That they're doing all the work and or an outsized amount of work, uh, which puts them really at a risk for for burning out and for also for you know, feeling like uh, they're carrying more of the team than everybody else, which can lead to, you know, a toxic culture as well.
1: And and the other side of that is that somebody might be kind of a a gatekeeper that maybe you don't want them to be a gatekeeper.
0: Exactly, exactly. You know, there's very often as organizations scale – you get somebody who, you know, was was the person that everything had to go through when you were 10 people or 25 people. But as you get to 50 people, you know, that person still being the that bottleneck is no longer effective. It doesn't help the business. And so you you sometimes forget that those things are still in place because organizations move so fast uh, that that you don't pay attention to it until it's too late.
1: Now, is this the solution like a nice to have for smaller organizations? But as you get to X number of employees, it becomes a must have.
0: Yeah, that's what we start to see it as you start to become a growth company, moving from a startup to a scale up. But as you go past fifty people into seventy five, hundred, and up to probably a thousand or so, uh, it becomes much more of a of a need to uh, a must have, right? Um, as you get bigger than that, then we begin to see a breakdown into the individual departments and the teams and those sorts of things that have, operate much more like uh, companies. And, you know, then they're, people begin to use us for things for, you know, understanding a baseline for changes that they want to make or for doing uh, planning around the, whether they have enough of the right kinds of people to do the work that they want to do. Uh, Those types of things. It becomes, you know, bigger, more hairier problems as you as you get bigger.
1: Now, in your career, you've worked on um, several startups and and scaled several businesses. Um, were, Were they always in this space?
0: No, this is, uh, this is my first one, and what uh, you know, I think now it's safe to call it HR tech, future of work. Uh, my last business was uh, DZone, now Devada, uh, and Hub. and we were in the developer engagement, developer community space, and so very different. But um, you know, at the end of the day, businesses, have, how businesses grow and how they run, have a lot of similarities, and so you know, you're able to apply your learnings from one into the next.
1: Now, at the beginning of your career, were you always on an entrepreneurial track, or did you work for large organizations and then kind of pivot to um, startups and more entrepreneur?
0: That's a that's a great question. I, I think I started my first business when I was twelve or thirteen, uh, doing web development. Uh, you know, back before everybody had the internet, and you could you know remember where to go on the internet by you know, remembering the domain and there were only a handful of them. So I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Uh, and this is, you know, I tend to to go all in on, on my startups. And this, you know, my last one took about 15 years to, to navigate its way bootstrap to an exit. Uh, and this one, we're on a very different path, being venture backed and, and choosing to go at it much more aggressively.
1: Now, what was the learning there from, you know, going from bootstrap to exit now going to venture back to uh, hopefully eventual exit so
0: i think the biggest learning there was that you know when you're bootstrapped you're very you're very focused on making sure that you're funding everything with the, the cash flow from adding customers and that you're you you do need to solve a problem immediately versus trying to, here, we're very much focused on, we see the problem, we understand how to solve the problem, but we're also, we're building something that hasn't been done before and there's intellectual property behind it. And that is a you know, we needed the additional funding to, to be able to uh, really bring that bigger vision to to work, right? Um, and so, you know, the, the big learning, I would say, is that, you know you when you're bootstrapped and when you're uh, somewhat more uh, cash strapped in that way um, you know you make different decisions about the the things that you prioritize that, that maybe don't uh, serve you best for accelerating the business forward uh, whereas when you're down this path now with having raised a, a small amount of money here uh, people logic we're we're making choices around you know how do we hire the best people for the job to be able to, to get us to where we're going as quickly as we can.
1: Rather than just hiring the person to solve the problem today.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, what's going to take us into the future, which is what we're looking at now. Um, and, you know, it's aiming for something that is going to have a much larger impact on, on the business. Uh, and so that's, we are, we're very focused on, and the other difference being that when you're funded and you're backed, uh, you know, when you're using other folks money, you're very focused. You're always thinking about how you're going to build the right relationships that are going to get you to an exit. And when you're bootstrapped and it's your own money, you're not necessarily thinking about that. You're going to look for an exit. You're happy when one comes, but that's not ultimately, uh, for most folks, the, the way that they run their business.
1: Now, what about from uh, as a CEO, as a leader, the feeling when you're bootstrapped, you know, kind of the buck stops with you. But when you're using other people's money, now you got other people yelling at you.
0: <laughs> well, you know, ultimately with the team, the buck still stops with me. And, and you know, it's now not only do I feel uh, an obligation to my team to make sure that you know, I'm doing everything that I can to, to clear the roadblocks for them. I'm also, you know, very aware of the obligation that I have to our investors to make sure that we ultimately give them a return on their investment and that we're incorporating them into the processes where it makes sense with our own business and keeping them updated. And so you really now are beholden to, to two different uh, groups of stakeholders within the business uh, when you when you've taken other people's money and um, you know there, there is a saying that that used to that I was used to know and it was you know you spend your money differently when it's other people's money but the truth is when it's other people's money you are actually accountable to them for how you spend it. Uh, and so you know it's for me it's important that we do that in a uh, in a way that is you know conservative and, and appropriate for for what they expected to to get out of their investment in us,
1: right? And aggressive enough to get to the milestones you need to get to.
0: Exactly, we're we are certainly beholden to the the model that we put in front of them and our projections for where we expect to get to. That's for sure.
1: Now, um, as a leader, is there a mentor or an advisor or somebody that's kind of your true North that you aspire to be, or is this something that you have just been kind of picking up on your own and, you know, just figuring things out, uh, on your own?
0: Yeah, that's a, you know, until recently I was not someone who really took advantage of having coaches and mentors and advisors. Um, you know, over the past couple of months, I've made a, a pretty concerted effort to start to incorporate more of those types of people into my um, into my world, so that I get different perspectives as I try to figure out how to run the business, and that I have people to turn to when I'm looking to figure out how to solve problems. And so, you know, I have different coaches for the different types of challenges that that might come up in my world. Uh, some are you know, useful for helping me understand, you know, challenges around product market fit and go to market and others are useful for helping me just understand the, the day in day out stressors of being a CEO. Um, and I think, you know, I have begun to see how that, you know, why people turn to those. And I've had some great other CEOs that have leveraged uh, both of our, both of my coaches and, and others to, you know, have them be able to tell me the value that they've seen from, from working with people like that and how it's helped them accelerate their business.
1: So what was the kind of uh, reason for taking that leap into coaching? Um, Did something happen or was that something that you were like, other people are doing this. Am I missing something that's like right in front of me that I should just be checking out?
0: You know, that was a, I probably started down that path in a moment of, uh, you know, self-doubt of whether I was doing the right thing as a CEO. And so, you know, they, in speaking with some other CEOs and and to some of our customers who actually referred me to one of my coaches, um, you know, they, they spoke of similar problems and then how that had helped them. So I don't know that there was any one thing other than that I knew that I wanted to be a better CEO and a leader and uh, that this was a way that had worked for others that were at our stage and place to, to be able to get there.
1: Now, what do you think your, your superpower is as a leader?
0: (laughs) That's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that typically my superpower is being able to see around corners and to see the whole picture. Um, that tends to be where I had the most value uh, and which gives me a different perspective than the rest of the team has and being able to uh, understand where we need to, to make changes and do that in a way that's not going to uh, just disrupt the, the entire organization.
1: Now, any advice for other uh, founders out there on building that team of a players, the team of people uh, they can kind of uh, take your vision and make it real?
0: Yeah, I think you you can't stress enough how important it is to have any players on the team and to to go and get the best players that you can. Um, You know, I'm a sole founder here at PeopleLogic, but the people that I've put around me on the executive team are people that I've known forever and who have been, um, you know, important into the growth of of people logic and so you know it if you you're going to have a much harder time if you don't figure out one way or another how to get those A players in at the moment where they can have a, an impact it may stretch your exit uh, or the ability to get uh, another round of funding by months or years and if you don't bring those people in at the, at the right time so my advice is definitely, you know, one way or another, figure out how to bring those people in to, to get them to buy into your vision and, and get them to, to help you make it real.
1: So it sounds like you're saying that those are must-haves, not nice-to-haves.
0: It, I have come to the position that having those A players, particularly around you on your uh, senior leadership team, it's a must-have.
1: Now, how did you hear about uh, Startup Showdown and Panoramic Ventures?
0: oh gosh it's uh it's been a couple of months uh you know i think you know in this case i think i was uh you know there was an outreach from panoramic ventures we were in the middle of raising our uh, our pre-seed round, uh and i think they invited us in to you know fill out the application and we went through the process and I went through the first stage and the second stage, and then you know, we were eventually selected as a finalist and got to present on the stage. Uh, which was fortunate that they had moved back to, to being in person, and it was uh in Charlotte here, uh, where we're based in Durham, so we North Carolina, and so we were able to you know go and be in person and, and present as a finalist uh, for their second ever event, I think.
1: Was there any aspect of the process that was most beneficial or that you felt like, oh, that was a good use of our time?
0: You know, just getting to basically, you know, the first couple of stages of it are really basically lightning pitches, uh, you know, two to five minutes getting to do it over and over again. And that part was super helpful. Uh, You know, after that, being a finalist, the uh, getting to see the other founders and hear they talked about it Hear that they were having the same challenges and being in the same stage. That was, that part was also super helpful. Uh, the actual presenting in person in front of other people was, uh, entirely too nerve (laughs) Um, (laughs) wracking, particularly after having been uh, virtual for the last two years. Right. Right. So, you know, suddenly going back and being in person and presenting and doing your pitch and walking on a stage and you forget uh, how different that is from just being ahead on a Zoom screen.
1: Yeah, I think we're all relearning that uh, that nowadays. We're all relearning that (laughs) in real life experience.
0: Exactly, your your real life social skills of having to get dressed and put shoes <laughs> on and, uh, and you know actually interact with people is is something you have to relearn. So, um, but the act of I, I was appreciative that they you know pushed for that in person and were able to to do that in such a way that we were able to get out and pitch to an audience uh, and really got some really great feedback, even though we didn't win.
1: So, what's next for PeopleLogic? How can we help?
0: Yeah, the next uh, we've just finished our uh, our first round here of funding, and we're really very focused on adding new customers and, and growing the business. And that's you know getting that revenue in the door is really the the thing that we're most focused on now. Um, we've got a great team in place, and um, now if there's companies that that have the problems that we solve around attrition and burnout and ineffective processes We're we're here to help and, and, you know, always looking to uh, find ways to work with great companies.
1: And those companies are what, 50 plus people with, uh, yeah. that are growing and, rapidly.
0: Yep. 50 plus growing rapidly, usually in the tech space.
1: And then what are some symptoms that they might have a problem that you can solve?
0: Yeah. Usually, you know, they're worried that they're going to lose uh, team members or, They're starting to hear people talk about burnout. Uh, Those tend to be two quick signs that that they need to do something.
1: Well, Matt, thank you so much uh, for sharing your story today. If somebody wants to connect with you or learn more about PeopleLogic, what's the website?
0: Yeah, it's uh, PeopleLogic.ai. And you can also reach me at Matt at PeopleLogic.ai.
1: All right. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. You're doing important work and we appreciate you.
0: Thanks so much, Lee. I appreciate
1: it. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Startup Showdown.
0: As always, thanks for joining us. And don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Startup Showdown podcast so you get the latest episode as it drops wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more and apply to our next Startup Showdown pitch competition, visit showdown.vc. That's showdown.vc. All right. That's all for this week. Goodbye for now.